you look at your life and what makes it a great story, it really is the moments. Some of them are epic, some of them are hard, some of them are difficult, but it is the moments in our lives that make our story. This is the Flavor of Leadership podcast. I am your host, Clint Hoops. Together, we explore the unique blend of leadership wisdom that helps top leaders consistently achieve work goals, develop personally, and find fulfillment with family. Let's get started. I am so excited to introduce our guest for today. His name is Clint Pulver. He is an Emmy Award-winning motivational keynote speaker, author, musician, and workforce expert. I first found Clint a few years ago when someone shared his Be a Mr. Jensen YouTube video with me, and it is amazing. As a leader of 150 people at the time, it changed the way I saw each person on my team. And I have since followed Clint's work, and not just because of his great name. He is a wealth of knowledge and known as the leading authority on employee retention. Clint, welcome to the show. Thanks, Clint. You got a great name. It's an honor <laughs> to be on the show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. I, I truly do appreciate you you being here. I, I reached out a couple of weeks ago and was excited that we could find a time in your schedule to to be on the show. Yeah, no, it's an honor. It's a busy time right now, but it's always fun to jump on with good people doing great things. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, well getting started, I, I, I want to be able to have our listeners begin to to get to know you a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, a lot of people love the origin story of of you know what I talk about and 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 my performance background a little bit. I was the kid always in school that had a hard time sitting still. I just struggled to focus and pay attention. I would always tap, always be moving. I got called the twitcher. I got called the tapper by the other students. And it wasn't even just the kids that complained. Even the teachers would constantly say, I need you to hold still, stop tapping, sit on your hands, stop moving. And I eventually got sent to the principal's office. Everybody just kind of didn't know what to do with me until I had a teacher one day. His name was Mr. Jensen. And he looked at me as I was tapping in class and he said, listen, I need you to stay after. We're going to have a conversation. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, uh, this is it. I'm getting kicked out of school as a 10-year-old. This is it. And the bell rings, class dismissed, everybody leaves. It's a completely empty room minus me and Mr. Jensen. And he pulls me to the back. He sits me down and he said, listen, Clint, you're kind of the kid that's on the list. He said, you tap, you tap a lot. You tap in my class and you tap in everybody else's. And, uh, you know, the teachers talk about you. I know you get teased. I know you get bullied. He said, but I've watched you though. And it's crazy. You'll, You'll take a pen and you'll be working on your assignment and you'll write with your right hand and then you'll tap with your left hand. And then in the middle of the assignment, you'll switch the pen and you'll start writing with your left hand and you'll tap with your right hand. And he said, I, I think you're ambidextrous. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm Presbyterian. He's like, no, <laughs> not. he's like, that's not what I mean. Uh-oh. No, he's like, he's like, can you tap your head and rub your belly at the same time? And I gave it a shot and I could do it. And he said, okay, now can you switch it? Can you rub your head and then tap your belly? And literally back and forth without thinking about it, I could just innately do that. Amazing. And he smiled and he said, I, uh, I don't think you're a problem. I just think you're a drummer. And I've been somebody, Clint, that for a very long time in my life, I believe in the power of moments, 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 moments. You look at your life and what makes it a great story. It really is the moments. Some of them are epic. Some of them are hard. Some of them are difficult, but it is the moments in our lives that make our story. And that's what we remember. We don't remember days. We remember moments. And I think great leaders, when we talk about good leadership, they are so good at doing that. 
designing moments where people like themselves best because they're with that leader. Moments of advocacy, moments of potential, moments of communicating an individual's worth so well that they see it within themselves. And that's what Mr. Jensen did because in that moment, he reached back in his desk, he opened up the top drawer and he reached inside and he took out my very first pair of drumsticks. And he created a moment as he placed them in my hands and he said, listen, Clint, these, these are for you. And I need you to just promise me one thing. Just promise me that you'll keep them in your hands as much as you can. And let's just see what happens. And that was 23 years ago. And that moment changed my life. 23 years, I've had the opportunity to tour and record all over the world as a professional drummer. I've been on America's Got Talent. I have performed with amazing artists and incredible venues and have done things that I never thought were possible. I coached the NBA drumline for the Utah Jazz for seven years. I I graduated with zero college debt because of music scholarships. I mean, the, the list goes on and on of all of these things that happened because one person, one educator, decided to advocate for a kid, not just develop them. And uh, it really was a foundational point to my life, to my story, and even now to what I'm becoming to this day. Love it. There's something you said there that really stuck with me. You said, you talked about how Mr. Jensen created this moment with you. And you also talk about how as employers, we get a chance to, to create those moments and they're not something that just happens by chance. Mr. Jensen, it sounds like, was one who took the time to see you with different eyes and actually planned that moment. That, those drumsticks didn't make it into the top, the top drawer by accident. Correct. And, and so I, I love that. I love, I love it. Was designed. Yeah, it was a designed moment. And I, I look back on some of the other mentors in my life and the designed moments that they chose to create where they went a out of their way to create something that was not in the routine of leadership, that was not in the routine of their job description. And they went above and beyond and created significance. They created something that became iconic. And that's why moments are so critical in good leadership. That's amazing. Yeah, I I can think of times in my own life when I've had either people like a Mr. Jensen in my life, I I have a podcast a few you know a few months back that was about a school teacher as well that made a difference in my life in a in a similar way and changed how I felt about myself and how I saw myself and I've had leaders in my past that have that have done the same and and so I think that's why I've been that when I first heard that story it began to help me see the times in my life where that had happened as well and start to figure out okay how can i look a little deeper into my own leadership i look at you know and and another part of my story and background is for the last five and a half years i've worked as the undercover millennial kind of like undercover boss without the makeup i love it i love Uh, it into organizations as a millennial that's my age by generation that's the, the that's the generation i fall in and i would go into organizations as a young person who was looking for a job and I'd walk up to the first person that I saw and I would just say, hey, I'm just looking for work. What's it like to, to work here? Would you recommend it? And the employee always gets quiet. You know, they kind of look around. Feels like an illegal drug exchange. <laughs> and then they tell me everything, everything. They tell me the good, they tell me the bad, they tell me what's working, what's not working. And because really, I'm not, I'm not a management survey. I'm not a, an employee survey. I, I'm just another potential hire. I'm another fellow possible colleague 
And we created an environment where employees could speak their truth. And over the course of this time, we've worked with hundreds of organizations, have interviewed thousands and thousands of employees. And the magic of all of the research was not when an employee was dissatisfied. The magic of the research was when I would go up to an employee and say, hey, what's it like to work here? And they would, without hesitation, say, I love it here. I love it here. I love my boss. Susie, you got to meet Susie. Susie, come here. Or they say, (laughs) our culture, our purpose, what we do, what we breathe, my teammates, my family. Like, I love it here. And I'd be like, okay. And then I'd go to the next employee and the next. And they would all say the same things. Why? What were those great leaders doing to create organizations that people never wanted to leave? And so I wrote a book about it. And we titled, I titled the book, I Love It Here. How great leaders create organizations that people never want to leave. And I believe it is the most honest and real and authentic data behind how leaders created impact, how they created moments, how they created a workplace where people didn't just survive at work, they actually thrived. And the cool part about it is it's not another leadership book written by a you know self-proclaimed leadership expert. I mean, there's so many of those books out in the world. This is a book that's written through the eyes of thousands of employees who knew when their leaders were getting it right. Because something that's really critical, I think, when we talk about leadership is something that's really important to understand. We talk about moments and how to create those, and those are impactful. Those are the root and the foundation of many things that we remember of good leadership. But the reality, too, is that the perception of leadership versus the reality of the employee experience is usually different. Most of the time when I go into an organization, I ask the leaders, how are things going? Oh, we're doing good. We're killing it. It's awesome. We're growing. You know, quarter three is coming in strong. Uh, our projections are great. You know, employees are focusing on our, on our mission and our goals. And then I go ask the employees in an environment where that employee can actually speak their truth. And it's different. It's a very different reality because there's no incentive. This is why most leaders have no idea when they're doing poorly. Because there's no incentive for an employee to speak their truth. You've been in leadership for a long time, Clint. You understand this. You know, when's the last time an employee came up to you and said, hey, Clint, I just, I just need you to know this. Um, I, I think this could help you. Uh, you micromanage everything that we do. Happy, <laughs> happy Tuesday. Exactly. Or, or, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. or when's the last time an employee came up to you and said, hey, I, just, I want you to get better. And uh, I just need you to know that every time we win as a team, you take all the credit. Oh, I also want you to know every time we lose as a team, you blame everybody else. It's never your fault. You just blame everybody else. Happy Saturday. Right? Like nobody says that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. It's like they're not gonna yeah, they're not gonna give you that 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 complete unfiltered truth, right? Yes, yes, yes. But many employees feel that on a daily basis. So instead, what do they do? They just they just leave. They leave. They leave your company. They put in a two weeks notice and they say, peace out. And then it leaves you as the manager or as the leader scratching your head going, I never saw it coming. And what do they say? They say, oh, I got offered more pay. Sure. You know, they they won't even give you, you don't even get an honest answer. Right. And and people, and so you have these managers thinking, oh, well, they just got offered more pay. So everything's fine here. And it's the mentality of, well, they're just chasing money. Everyone's just chasing money. Whoever can pay the top dollar. And that is so not true. And it's because your perception is so skewed as a leader. It's just always a bigger picture. So that's why the book is so cool. That's why my, the work and, and, and focusing on this for the last five years of my life has been so uh, filled with passion. And 
I don't know, a, a movement to do something different, to do something unique, something that truly could help leaders close that gap. If you could really know what they feel like, if you could know what they're wanting, and if you could create an environment where they would speak their truth, where they actually would tell you if they're struggling, or they could tell you what they wanted, how could we do that? What a world, what a workplace that could be. And uh, so it's been fun to, to dedicate my life to that a little bit. So fun. Your book, I, I read it earlier this year, and it was during a time of a lot of change in our business at the time. We were having a, a big change and everything was going in, and a lot of people were unsettled about different things. And the book really helped me step back and say, okay, I need to look at it differently. If people are scared as things start changing and you know jobs start changing a little bit because of the change in the company direction. And there's a quote that I actually really love that I wanted to share from the book. It says this, you said, great mentors can communicate someone's potential and worth so clearly that the person begins to recognize that potential and worth in themselves. And that made me start thinking about, am I one of those people? Am I communicating so clearly that they know their own worth to themselves and also to the company that even in the midst of change or things that are happening, they still know that that's how we feel about them. And it's such a simple principle, but yet so many organizations profoundly overlook that. When I, I talked about it in the book, when I say potential, I really am talking about growth. How do we communicate the growth of an individual that they can grow in this organization, that we want to see them thrive, that we want them to, 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 to be better humans, not just better employees. And then the, the worth side is recognition. Making people feel seen, making people feel valued, make them feel worth something. And, you know, those two key components, growth and recognition, growth and recognition, man, they are a foundational piece. If you do not communicate that on a daily basis in your organization, those, those companies are becoming irrelevant. They're, they're finding themselves uh, moving into the solo entrepreneur world or being okay with a revolving door of turnover and the cost that affects their organization in a way every day. Uh, it's, it costs a lot when, when somebody leaves or even worse if they stay and then they mentally check out. So yeah, potential and worth. Very key. I love that. I love that. What else? What else is getting you excited right now in your business or in your life? One thing that I think is really cool that I'm seeing a shift of as I speak and work with corporations and, and companies all over the world, there's been a trend for the last five years about company culture and engagement and performance and really supporting and listening to employees, which I value. And I think it's really cool. And we're seeing this massive shift. I think in the next five years, we will see a shift that I think is exciting that focuses a little bit more on the leader and how the leader can create boundaries. How do leaders give themselves more time? How do leaders manage stress? How do leaders create, not the to-do list, but the to-don't list? How do we focus on what, not so much what a leader is, but what a leader is not? I, yeah, I, just, I think time affluence, time affluence. That's what I'm excited about. How can we create leaders that have more of it? More time. Yeah. More, more time to think. Yeah. More time to, to do everything, right? I think that sometimes we get so busy, and this, is, and this is a big thing right now. We get so busy and we have so many distractions. That's a common theme. Everyone knows that. We, all we have to do is, is just put our hand by our pocket for a minute. We fill our phone and know 
we are living in a world of distraction. And I love what you're saying. Give, give leaders a chance to just think. That's where the best ideas and the best opportunities and best improvements can happen, I think. Yeah. People ask all the time, they're like, Clint, you travel so much. You're on an airplane so much. Like, how do you do that? Like, oh, that would just be horrible. I always kindly say, well, first off, you know, it's not always ideal being away from my family. That, that there is a difficult part to that. When I'm home, I'm home, which is great. And yes, when I'm gone, I am gone. But that airplane at 30,000 feet in the sky, that has become my, my flying university. That has been the place that I can, I don't, I don't enroll in text messages on the plane. I don't connect to internet. I literally deep look. And the airplane for me, that place that I could just be still, I could be quiet, I could listen, I can think, I can ponder, I can reflect, I can listen in a way that the world just doesn't allow very often. And I've often thought, man, if I was, if I was leading a massive company and I didn't have something like the airplane, it would be so difficult. It could be so much harder than than it is. And I just think more and more, we'll see more books, we'll see more literature, we'll see more courses, we'll see more masterclasses on how to help leaders slow down. How do we help leaders give people time? Because I, I found in my research that employees, when they found, I talk a lot about mentorship. I think mentorship is really when it comes through the lens of an employee, that's what they, they work for. That's what they love. That's what they talked about. They didn't really talk about leadership. Nobody really talked about management. Employees talked about mentorship. Employees spelled mentorship T-I-M-E. Granted, they can't spell that well, but that's how they spell it. (laughs) So Uh, true. Time, 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 time. When I found an employee that was dissatisfied with their work, they talked about the manager. When I found an employee that loved their job, they talked about the manager. And when I asked why, they shared moments that that mentor gave them time. That, that that manager, that leader, whatever title that person had, they figured out some in some way, shape, or form to say no to a few things so that they could say yes to that individual. They could give them more time, time affluence. How do we do that and learn how to do that better in leadership? And I, I wrote a whole chapter about it in the book, how to keep it simple, how to keep the main thing the main thing. Cut our meetings down. Cut our vision statements down. Cut your time that you spend on online or social media. Cut that down. Spend, I don't know, just boundaries. How do we keep it more simple? So that's really what's what's getting me excited. And uh, I think it's a trend that we're going to see. We're going to see more and more of uh, as we move into the future within leadership. I love that. I know a lot of leaders and a lot of people that are listening right now are people that are probably struggling with that very thing you talked about. They're having their employees are tapping at their door every few minutes. They're, you know, coming and asking for things. They're coming and needing help. They're coming and some leaders may feel overwhelmed by the amount of requests that are coming from their employees. Is there any part of giving these leaders more time that helps them use the time that they have more wisely? Or are there other places where they need to change just their structure of how they're doing things? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of those things. I, it's hard to kind of give a, a one-size-fits-all approach because everybody's every, every leader's agenda is a little bit different. Everybody's construct in which they're working within is a little bit different. Some people are, are bogged down by emails and contracts and client deadlines and things that they've got to get off or they're running meetings or they're on Zoom calls nonstop. Others are struggling with the influx of all of the employees that need them for this or that. 
Sometimes it's customer inquiries. I mean, it, the case in point is, again, it's, it's we're busy. And so I think that creating a parameter of what's, what's the most important thing? What do you stand for? What is it that you're trying to achieve? And then how many things within your day actually support that? And it's easy for a leader to justify and go, well, everything. Yes, everything. exactly. Well, I'm in charge of the whole place. So, of course, yeah. it's everything. Yep. And, and I found that for the, for the most part, again, good leaders, they know what they need to do, but the great leaders know what they need to stop doing. You need to have a real conversation with yourself. I saw it with the leaders that we interviewed and then we found in those significant organizations where employees were thriving. Those leaders had created boundaries and understood the power of delegation and looking at a schedule and going, okay, that doesn't add to the main thing, but I need to get it done. So who else can help me do that? Because I've got to give my time to this. I've already committed to this. We had other managers that did literally create a to-don't list. They said, okay, from three to five, their executive secretary or their support team or whoever it was that they were working with blocked out their schedule. And that was set aside for connecting with employees. They put boundaries in place that in the morning, instead of waking up, the first thing they do is check the emails. They've got another boundary in place that says, no, I'm making three phone calls to this individual, or we're not holding meetings anymore on Fridays, or we're going to look at all of the current meetings that we have, and we're going to figure out how do we cut those down and can they be consolidated? Can we bring all of these meetings and instead of doing five of them a week, can we do only three? Like just making a conscious effort. I also found those great leaders had coaches. Great mentors were always being mentored. They had somebody else in their life that had done it better than they did or was doing it better than they were doing it. And they did whatever it took to, to, to hang out with astonishing leaders that were figuring it out. And so I, I think it's a combination of a lot of stuff. It's, it's taking inventory of where you're at, what's not working, and then finding someone that's doing that really well, and then just creating the boundaries and then having someone to help you stay accountable to doing that. It's a process. There's no like one, one silver bullet on how to accomplish this. I think it's like a culmination of a lot of things. But the point is be aware of it and take a step to do that more. Because if you don't, you're going to burn out. We spend, we spend so much time expecting the time of others, expecting the commitment of others, the energy of others. And when you're so burnt out as a leader because you can't give any time, how do you even fathom demanding that of others when you don't do it yourself? So consider it. Go down that process. Think about it. Walk down that path because it's worth it. I love that. Yeah. That's the only way where we're going to create those moments we talk about. Yeah. Those those moments won't come. Yeah. Unless you create the time. Well, Clint, I, I sure appreciate you being on the show here today. I love your philosophy. I love your book. And I love so many of these things. But I would love if you would leave one top action step for my listeners today. What's What's one thing you would have them act and do today? One thing that's really key is to understand right now is we're still in the midst of the pandemic and COVID and there's a real fight for a talent right now. During COVID, we did undercover research with 48 different organizations and employees right now really currently still have two things on their minds. Number one, they remember how they were treated during the pandemic and how they're currently still being treated during the chaos. I saw some pretty horrific things that leaders did. I also saw some really beautiful things that leaders did. Point is, they remember. They remember. And second, all employees have had time to think. They've had time to really think. A lot of organizations, the routine or, or the duties and the responsibilities of the job that once were are no longer there. Most employees are thinking, my goodness, does my job today look the same as it did in 2019? And most employees say no. And most employees, their pay hasn't changed. The responsibilities have grown. The demands have grown. The stress has increased. 
the workplace has changed, people have had time to think and they're thinking, is this really where I want to be? And for the first time ever in history, for the most part, people are realizing, my goodness, I can live in Colorado and work in New York City three days a week, make three times as much <laughs> and work whenever I want. Like that, that's, that's a real thing. And people are realizing that and it's shaking up the economy right now. And, and employers are worried and they're nervous. And as we're getting back to normal, people are like, okay, we just furloughed everybody. We laid off half of our our staff. Now we got to get everybody back. Now we got to build up confidence. We've got to build up this culture that, that COVID destroyed. And I I would just, I, my challenge right now to, if you're a leader, that's maybe in this position, you're feeling this, you're experiencing this. One thing that we've seen that great leaders have done, and they do it consistently, is they check an employee's status regularly. Again, the perception of leadership versus the reality of an employee's experience is usually different. The reason is because the leader doesn't understand the status of the employee and vice versa sometimes. So I would recommend a status interview. If you're listening to this, I would, I would challenge you to think of two employees in your organization that are your rock star employees? Who, who are the individuals in your workplace that if they left tomorrow, if they came and handed you a two-week notice and said, I just found a better opportunity, it would put your business in a hard spot. Who are they? Find those two individuals. And then I would challenge you to this week, next week, sit down with them. You could go on a walk. You could do it over Zoom. You could do it over a phone call and start a conversation that begins with vocal praise. You just let them know how much they mean to you. You you let them know what you've seen them do, the contributions that they've made, the talents that they have in your organization, the loyalty that they've expressed. You just you just pour on the praise, and then you ask them three questions. Number one, what can I do as your leader to keep you here? What can I do to keep you at work? Number two, I would ask what's getting in the way of success for you at work. What's in the way of your success? Number three, what can I do as your manager or as your leader to help you get there? That's it, Clint. It's so simple. They're very simple, straightforward questions, but 99.9% of employees are never asked those questions. And if they are asked those questions, it's usually in the exit interview. It's usually when you sit in with an employee and it's like, Hey, I mean, we're just so sad to lose you. I mean, is there anything that we can do to keep you here? Is there anything we can do to change your mind? You know, is there, is there anything that we could have done to help you be more successful? You know, is there anything we could have done to, to help you stay in the company? And then, it, and then it hits everybody in the room. They're like, I should have asked this question. I should have asked these questions six months ago. Because the answer was probably yes. 100%. <laughs> right. And Oh, man. Yeah. I would conduct a status interview. Do that right now. And, and my goodness, sometimes we're afraid to ask the question because we're afraid to hear the answer. You know, mm-hmm. some of us are like, oh, geez, well, what if they ask for more money? Or they want, you know, a corner mm-hmm. office and free Cheetos and, 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 <laughs> and I can't do that. And then it gives you an opportunity to look for variables. So if somebody came and said, you know, well, you could keep me here if you paid me more. But if you can't do that, then say, be honest about it. I can't, I can't pay you more right now, but maybe we can do something with your schedule. Can we give you maybe a little bit more time off? Can we help you? You know, what about moving you into management in our position or helping you get somewhere where we can pay you a little bit more? You look for variables. And if you can't find any variables, then at least you asked. At least you asked. 
And, and, and again, that's what we're in the business of doing. We're in the business of advocating and supporting people, being the mentor in the story. You've got to make the deposits of trust because then that allows you to make the withdrawals in the world of performance, standards, engagement, profitability. But too many leaders are trying to make the withdrawals and they've made no deposits of trust. So check their status. Get to the part about them. And in doing so, you'll create an environment where they will get to the part about you. That's what's winning right now. So that would be my challenge. Perfect challenge. We're gonna we're gonna go and put, I'm gonna put those three questions in the show notes so that you can so that you can take those and do that with your two people this week. Excellent, Clint. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's truly You're a pleasure. You're welcome, Clint. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And for all of you out there, until next week. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Flavor of Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at flavoroflidership.com. Thanks for listening.